already. You ready? The words are going to come up on the screen for you. Father God, say it with me. You are good, and you deserve all our praise and more. Thank you for the many ways you have blessed us and for watching over us. We want to experience your presence and your love in a fresh way today. Jesus, we thank you that your mercies are new every day. We thank you for who you are and for all that you have done for us. And everybody said, amen. amen. God is our firm foundation. He's our cornerstone.
Pastor Lori said off the top, today is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit up, down, up, down. Um, but we are eight days into 2023, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, I want you to pay this year, in particular today, I want you to pay close attention to your desires, things you really, really want, uh, the things that you may want for others that become really, really big, in particular <clears throat> when, they don't, when they do what you don't want them to do. And here's the question I want you to ask yourself at the outset of this year. Here's the question we as a church we want to ask ourselves is, do our desires lead us to look more like Jesus, to love more like Jesus? And do the things that we want for others, do, does our love for them, our desire for them, and are we growing in loving others the way that Jesus loves us? And there are particular disciplines that Jesus engaged to harness his human desires. And so all of us on one hand have desires, and in the other hand, the space between what it is that we want and where it is that we want to be, the space between there are intentional spiritual disciplines that we have to engage. Now, here's what's different from becoming like Christ than, say, getting in better shape. Both are good goals. The Scripture says that one is of earthly benefit, the other benefits everything. And so you have desires on the one hand, and you have disciplines. Most of us, between these two places, just sort of like, this is where I am, this is where I want to be, this is what I need to do. And we're inviting you not to do that. What we're inviting you to do is in the space between what you desire and the disciplines, yes, that you and I need, is to invite the Lord into this place. It does not have to feel spectacular for it to be supernatural. The grace of God is not something you receive at salvation and then you're done with. It is the grace of God that enables us to grow to be more like Jesus every single day. It is an active, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit that requires our effort but not our earning. And so for Jesus, fasting was interwoven with prayer. If fasting is not interwoven with prayer, it is simply a diet. That's all it is. Fasting is interwoven with prayer, and it was the way in which the desires and the disciplines that he engaged, he did in the Father, and so we are going to do in Christ through the power of the Spirit. Fasting is giving up something we love, which we today, for the next 21 days, starting today, are on a fast as a church. Fasting is giving up something we love. If you hate broccoli and you say, I'm going to fast broccoli, that's not a fast. Okay, it's not what it is. Set the bar a little higher for yourself. Fasting is giving up something we love for someone that we desire to be like even more. Fasting is not twisting God's arm, trying to twist God's arm. Fasting is not trying to show God how devoted you are. He already knows everything about you. Fasting is turning your heart towards Him. Fasting shows us how strong our desires can be. And then it frees us. It frees us from having to have what we want to have. I'm going to say it again. Fasting frees us from having to have what we want to have. So if you're going to fast coffee, I promise you, if you started this morning, you're already like an irritable person. More than you normally are, you're already an irritable person to be around. Fasting shows our desires. It surfaces them. 
and draws us to the question like this. In 2023, if you don't get what you desire, so what? Is God still good? Is he still authoritative? Is he still loving? Is he still kind? Because if your faith is rooted in an outcome and not God himself, in 2023, you'll experience disappointment. But if it's rooted in who God is, I promise you, though you go through disappointments, you will not go through them alone because your, your faith is anchored into the one who is unchanging. The clock turned, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because you cannot improve upon perfection. And so you may choose a full fast, which is drinking only liquids, water, juices, and smoothies. You may do a partial fast, which could be a Daniel fast, or you give up one food item, or one food or one drink item. You may do an intermittent fast that you're only going to eat from 12 p.m. till 12 a.m. the next day. Yes, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> that's not an intermittent fast. This is called eating. But you may choose to intermittently fast. You're only going to eat from 12 till 7 p.m. You also may add uh, another element to your fasting season, which could be you can fast traditional media or social media. You could fast a streaming service. Turn the person beside you and say, get behind me, Satan. You have not the things of the kingdom. No, you can fast a streaming service. Um, you know, there's a million of them. You can fast them. You can fast sports. I said you can, not you have to. You can fast hobbies. Um, I personally am fasting going to the mall. It's a big sacrifice. <laughs> With any fast, though, involving food, let me say this. Uh, it's important if you're going to do anything, once again, um, if you're going to do anything with food, in particular a full fast, it's really important you consult your physician to make sure you're in good health to do that. Uh, don't be unwise. Once again, you're not trying to prove to anyone else how spiritual you are or to God. Nobody needs that nonsense, including yourself. So consult the physician. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Treat it well, okay? Use the gifts in the body of Christ that God has given us, including physicians, if you're going to engage a fast like that. So what did Jesus tell us about fasting? He said this, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. Lovely. For they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. In other words, don't, when you start your fast, don't go around telling everyone you're fasting. Oh, I'm fasting. What are you fasting? Oh, I'm fasting. Jesus says, if you do that and people go, wow, look how spiritual you are, enjoy your reward. That's it. But watch the teaser. Watch the kicker that he says, truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, don't broadcast it to everyone. Just fast so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I don't need your rewards. You don't need mine. We want God's. That's what this is about, okay? Turning our affections towards Him. Fasting combined with prayer, it tunes our ears to hear the Spirit afresh. It opens our eyes to see the way of Jesus with greater clarity, and it produces spiritual resiliency in us as we die to ourselves, setting us up to abide in the supernatural love of God. And so Life Center, we have partnered with a church called Church of the Highlands to provide you with a free book on prayer called Pray First. It's a free down, a download at lifecenter.org slash 21 days. Lots of fasting resources for you there. But this month in particular, every Sunday this month, and again, today is going to be different, we want to show you four different ways that you can pray. Not that you have to pray. They're just structures. We don't serve the structure. We serve God. But sometimes when we kneel to pray, we don't know what to do. 
the number one thing when you talk about prayer in a church, the number one thing that people push back is, I don't pray enough. And so let's start here as a church. If you are a follower of Jesus and you do not pray at all, I mean, you may pray for grace, but if you have no active prayer life whatsoever, can you have a moment of honesty that somewhere in your belief system, you have come to mistakenly believe that you can follow Jesus by not living like Jesus. That somewhere you have come to believe that I can do better on my own than with God. In other words, somewhere you've come to believe that prayer doesn't work. You need to be honest about that. And that you may say, I don't believe that. You may not believe that, but if everything in your behavior demonstrates that, it's not what you confess that you believe, it's what you do with your life that shows what we really believe. And so we need to start at a place of honesty. Yet if you wish to change to be more like Jesus, including engaging with prayer and fasting, honesty and today is the first place to start. And here's how you start. You start by praying as you can, not as you can't. I cannot run a marathon. Well, try. I will die. I cannot run a marathon. I cannot. But I can walk on a treadmill for two minutes. Some of you are like, two minutes, that's it. Judgy, judge, judge. <laughs> you may not be able to pray by an hour. Stop the excuse of what you can't do and start with what you can do and you watch what God will do. Let's together stand and sing. Oh, I'm not done. I'm coming back two more times. Don't worry about that.
in this attitude of worship, you, you may be seated if you can. Keep this posture, though. Keep this posture for the whole of the morning. I want you to picture yourself tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, maybe tomorrow evening, but tomorrow, praying as you can and fasting. Our first model that we want to teach you to pray through is called tabernacle prayer. This is not the way, it is just a way, okay? Chris Hodges says, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was the dwelling place of God. It started first as the tent of meeting, then it became a tabernacle, and now we are the body of Christ. But the tabernacle was the dwelling place of God built to His specifications where He would meet His people. And as they entered the tabernacle, they passed through seven stations following God's instructions to experience ultimately His presence, the high priest once a year. And today, even though we no longer need the physical tabernacle to meet with God, the seven stations or the same steps can help us connect with Him. And so this prayer model, everyone say model, it's just a model, uh, can take you through these seven steps or stations of the tabernacle and use the purpose of each station to guide our prayers. So I want to take you for the, through the first five. It's going to feel like a lot but I'm going to show it at the end, and you'll see it's actually rather straightforward. So tomorrow, at some point, as you begin to pray, the first station of the tabernacle is called the outer court. This is a place of thanksgiving, a place of gratitude, and a place of praise. And so you can start your time in prayer with gratitude. Psalm chapter 100, verses 4 to 5 reads, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. And the next part is where you ground your gratitude. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. And so for us as followers of Jesus, gratitude flows from verse 4 and 5. Intentionally tomorrow, root your gratitude in God's steadfast love and abiding faithfulness to you, not in thankful for every circumstance in your life. Some days you're going to get up and all you're going to be is grateful. Other days you're going to get up and all you're going to feel is a grumble. And if you root it in your circumstance, you can be robbed easily of it. But whether you are grateful or whether you are grumbling through the circumstance that you're going through, if you root your gratitude in God, when I opened my eyes, I deserved nothing, and you kissed my soul with mercy. Thank you. Lord, the fact that I opened my eyes is sheer grace again. Thank you for another day. When I look at this day, I think it's going to be terrible. But Lord, would you show me what you're doing in this day? What do you want to do today? Reflect on your gratitude for God. Another thing that you may do is look around and just see how blessed you are and express gratitude and thanks for what he has done, for what he has invited you to steward. If you got two pairs of pants, you're blessed. If you got more than one shirt, you're blessed. If you have enough food for more than one day, you're blessed. If you go to turn on and you got electricity, you're blessed. If you open a tap and water comes out, you're blessed. 
If you got a toilet that flushes, you're blessed. I'm serious. You're blessed. Your internet might stink, but you're blessed. You're blessed. Don't, your, don't count your blessings by looking at people who have different or more than you. You'll be robbed every time. Look at what God has given you to steward, and from there, be grateful you're blessed. Write aloud, list a journal. Then from the outer court, you start from gratitude, and then you move to this beautiful space of conviction. In the Old Testament, everyone had to bring an animal sacrifice to atone for their sin. It's called the brazen altar. Each was guilty, and this act of atonement was from a place of conviction and honesty, admitting their guilt before God. May I say to you, God loves you. And the God of love desires to convict you. And when you feel bad or guilty, it is not a bad feeling. God never harms you. He's the most trustworthy one because he cannot sin against you. He will never harm you. But he will convict you so that you in turn would be honest before him. When he convicts you, and we're going to get to the next step and we confess, it is not as though we are giving God new information but we are coming into agreement with where he is at work in our hearts and in our lives. So this brazen altar, again, in the Old Testament was a place to atone for sin. In the New Testament, Jesus became the Lamb of God slain. He became the Lamb of God slain to take away the sin of the world. He became our perfect and final atonement required for the sin of humanity. But it's important for us even in prayer to remember that, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus does one of two things. He forgives us of sin and he frees us of sin. But the thing that Jesus never does is he never forgets it, nor he ever, does, he, does he overlook it. Because to overlook sin is not to atone for sin. And everything that Jesus did on the cross is to atone for the sin of our hearts and our lives. Grace does not mean God overlooks. Grace means he forgives. The atoning work of Christ is finished. It's complete. It is applied. And we are free, not by our conviction or confession, but by the work of the cross. We are confessing what Jesus has done and engaging it. But the brazen altar is a place of conviction. So tomorrow, ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction where there is active sin in your life. Please hear me with both ears and your whole heart. It is not your job to go digging around into your own soul. It's not your job. If you do, you're actually going to damage yourself. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to reveal where He is at work. You may have nine areas that you want to change about your life, but I promise you this. Partner with where God is working. I promise you He'll get to the other things. But you want to accelerate where God is working, not just where you are displeased with yourself. Remember, desires and disciplines is not you doing in the middle. It is you partnering with the supernatural, natural work of God in our hearts and lives every day. So a place of conviction, Holy Spirit, where are you at work in my life? And then listen for a moment. I promise you he'll bring it to your ears and to your attention. And then when he does, 
you move on to the next step, which is, again, is bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, which was the labor. It was a place of confession. If the brazen altar is a place of conviction and guilt and sacrifice, you can imagine the Old Testament, the mess that would be there. So it makes sense that the next place is this labor, this place of washing this bowl of water, a reminder of how conviction and repentance and atonement, they're costly, they're messy, they cost Jesus everything. There is no such thing as cheap grace. It costs Jesus His very life. For us, the labor is an example of how conviction but also confession are critical. As one washes our hands when they get dirty or virus-filled, this is what honest confession of sin is for our souls. So you tomorrow morning start in this place of gratitude, and then you move, Lord, where are you at work in my life? If you want to get an extra hint, by the way, oftentimes where the enemy is at work in your life is the very place where God is at work in your life, and that contested space can give you some clues. That's just a little freebie for you. Okay. Thanksgiving, conviction, confession. And as you confess your sin to God, you may want to follow up with this. Lord, have I sinned against you, but maybe have I also sinned against others? So maybe my confession needs to go vertically, and it does. But is there someone that I need to confess to horizontally that I've sinned against them? And don't rush to do it. Let the Lord show you that, and then ask the Lord, how should I do that? How should I confess? The Scripture says in Galatians 5, verses 25 to 26, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Everyone say keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So we have this place of convic conviction that moves into confession. And then it moves to the candlestick. This candlestick was this seven-branched golden candlestick in the tabernacle. Scripture says that God the Father is the Father of lights, and Jesus is the light of the world. And I know we're not teaching perfectly through the tabernacle. There's so much more symbolism and meaning to all what we're going through. We're going through it quickly. Jesus is the light of the world, and the Holy Spirit is the fire of God in us. As I've mentioned time and time again, I will mention again, as you are praying, you take a moment of conviction, you feel it, you take a moment of uh, confession, and you admit it, you pour it out. The next place, again, that you want to move to is this place of indwelling. Everyone say indwelling. It is saying, Holy Spirit, would you fill me up afresh today? If I am to be the light of God in the world, all I know is that I need you to fill me afresh with your presence. I need your beautiful purifying fire to fill my life to its absolute fullest. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And Jesus calls us to be his light in the world's darkness. And before the birth of this thing we call the church, there were 120 disciples, men and women, different generations gathered in the upper room waiting for a promise from Jesus, which was the person of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, he filled all. Everyone say all. We don't need just superstar Christians. In fact, there shouldn't be any in the body of Christ. We need every single one of us filled by the Spirit of God, aflame a with the fire of God in our hearts and lives, filled to overflowing. Why do we need to be filled again and again and again? Because if you haven't noticed, life knocks stuff out of us. 
We leak, but we also intentionally pour out. And so you and I need to pray, God, would you fill me afresh this day for everything? Lord, to deal with my boss, would you fill me afresh this day? To ride the OC Transpo, would you fill me bus to train to bus to bus to... Would you fill me afresh today? To ride in with my spouse, would you fill me afresh today? to have to knock on the door of my adult child. Would you wake them up? Would you fill me afresh today? Those were just hypothetical examples that I just thought <clears throat> might be a blessing to you. So you just take a time where you just invite the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh today. And then you move on to the table of showbread, which is Scripture. A table with 12 loaves of bread showed the importance of God's Word in our lives, in our daily lives. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Loved ones, you can read a verse a day, a chapter a day, a book a day. You can, if, if, you, if you're uncomfortable, you can join Heartstrong tomorrow morning. It meets at 6 o'clock and then again in the evening. If you want to read the Word with other people, you can follow a Bible reading plan. I don't say this in jest. I actually say this with clarity and tenderness. Um, even if you do not know how to read, you can have somebody on your phone perhaps download. There are apps now like Dwell, but also the Version app that will just read the Scripture over you and out to you. Loved ones, we are without excuse. Make God's Word a part of your daily time of prayer, whether it is a verse or a chapter, as you can, not as you can't. Give me this day my daily bread. We live not by bread alone. And for those of you who are fasting bread, that's going to be your core prayer, okay? We live not by carbohydrates alone but by every word that proceeds from God, all of Scripture, all of Scripture is useful and edifying. Those are the first five. I'll bring it all together at the end, so stick with us. Once again, let's stand and sing because Jesus is truly worthy of it all. But let's start with the first 1,000 hallelujahs. One more time. With a thousand 
the saints and angels.
let's, let's have just us as a church sing you are worthy of it all just us so Carrie maybe you lead us and then you go quiet and let us just take this moment to abide in his presence so you lead us and then we'll take it from there you are worthy of it all your soul in it. Father, there are not words in our vocabulary, no matter the language we speak, to articulate your infinite worth. And so, Father, continue, Holy Spirit, to be with us, to lead us, to guide us, and to work in us today, we pray. Precious Jesus. When comfortable, you can begin to be seated, but... As you do, I want you to imagine for a moment everything that we've walked through. And there's this high priest once a year who gets to this altar of incense, which is burning outside of the Holy of Holies. And in other words, that there is this distinct difference between where they began to where they are now near God's presence. Like, where we are today, we are in God's presence anywhere because of the work of Christ. But for the high priest, they could experience it but once a year. But it was this altar of incense. Again, that just outside the Holy of Holies, the psalmist said this in Psalm 141, verse 2, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting of my hands, up of my hands, as the evening sacrifice. There's something about the human body that this isn't holy and this isn't worship. It's just we have nothing else to do. Our body's just open. It's this sense of surrender. It's this sense of, God, would you move in a way that only you can move? And so tomorrow as you're praying, you could play a favorite worship song here, or you could just sit in silence in God's presence. You could praise God cre creatively if you're a creative person. You can paint or draw or take a photo. I, you can do things creatively at this place saying, God, this is just my, my whole life is worship. You can engage this in a moment. And then it moves to place seven, which is called the Holy of Holies. 
And God's presence in the Old Testament dwelt within the Holy of Holies. And in this present, and in God's presence, then the priest would intercede on behalf of those around us. And so you can conclude your time of prayer tomorrow by having a moment of intercession. You could do it spontaneously by praying for your life, but praying for your family and your friends, those that you love. If you have a list of things that you're praying through, you can bring that list into that place and you can begin to pray systematically. Just by name, lift them up to the Lord. You can pray for your family. You can pray for your church, your city, relationships or circumstances. But as you do, I want to once again remind you and ground you that in God's presence, you are only in God's presence because you have a great intercessor making intercession for you. And that is Christ the Lord. He is our great intercessor. And so as you are lifting up those things, he is also praying on earth as it is in heaven. So it may sound like a lot, but let me just show you for a moment. Father, I thank you that as my eyes open today, while I slept, you were at work. And before I do anything, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, if there is anything in my life that you desire to convict me of today, I don't only have ears. I'm listening now. Would you speak? Lord, would you, conf- would you forgive me for so quickly seeing what others are not and not taking the time to see where you're at work and what you're doing, for moving quickly to being critical rather than asking what you're doing Father, would you forgive me? I lift and I open my heart that can get hardened by criticism. Lord, I don't want a hard heart. I want a heart that is tender before you. Holy Spirit, is there anybody that my criticism has hurt? Is there anyone, Lord, that you want me to confess to today? Speak to my heart, oh God. And then from there, I would read a scripture. I'm subscribed right now to two Bible reading plans in version, and I'm following along with HeartStrong. You can play a song of worship. And then you can just lift up some things that you really believe in God to do. All of that take about 10 minutes. I I know you're busy, but you're not that busy. If Netflix would fill the void, it would already be filled. If sports would fill the void, it would already be filled. If food would fill the void, it would already be filled. What our hearts hunger for is God's presence. 
You know what the world is aching to see? Christians who believe what they say they believe and do what they say they believe. They've had it up to here with the rest of the nonsense. Let me finish here and find your communion element. You're going to need that now. I saw a reel this week on Instagram. And the reel was this. It was two people walking into a gym. And they were pretty, like, physique good looking. And they walked into a gym, gym like they're the gym they go to. And they said, oh, yeah. And they made a joke that every January the gym is full. And then every February, the gym is back empty. And they basically said, we're just going to wait it out. The reel was funnier than I'm actually making it to be. But they were like really ripped and physiqued. And almost making fun of all the newbies who were there. Who were like, ah, they don't have the discipline like us. And when I saw it, I just want you to know, church that our heart could not be further from the truth. The church is not a place for perfect people who do everything by their perfect discipline. The church is a place for every single one to start to try. You know the number one thing I had to work it over when I went to the gym? I don't know what to do when I feel like an idiot. May we be reminded that most people when they come into church have no idea what to do. So that's why we're teaching on prayer and ways to pray. If you're here and you have no idea how to follow Jesus, welcome. If you're online and you have no idea to follow Jesus, welcome. Follow us as we follow Jesus imperfectly. And where we fall, keep your eyes fixed on him and not on us. Because on the night that he was betrayed, here's what he said. When he had given thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And as we're doing this, you should hear all the, a lot of the elements of the tabernacle in this, by the way. He said, that this is his body that is broken for us, that we're to take it and eat it. And often as we do, do it in remembrance of Jesus. <laughs> Not of us, of Jesus. So let's partake together. And though our sin is as scarlet red as this juice, in Christ and Christ alone, it can be made whiter than snow. Why? Because again, it's not the bowl, it's not the blood of bulls and goats and doves. Behold the Lamb of God who was sane for the remission, for the forgiveness, for the atonement of our sin once and for all. And so let us receive today, Jesus said, in remembrance of him. And so for this last song, I do not want you to stand. I want you to remain seated. And I want you to remain seated in his grace as you listen attentively to the words. It is from the life, I'm going to mess up his name. I try really hard. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, 
Do you know how to say it? That's fine. I have to do it that way or else I'll make it worse. But he was lame. And King David brought him to his banqueting table. And if you can imagine this individual sitting at the banqueting table, everybody looked the same and his lameness was covered in love. It's a beautiful Old Testament story depicting that every single one of us, every one of us with what we just did, we've been carried to a table that none of us belongs at. Oh, but by the grace of God.
what a beautiful presence of the Lord this morning. And our prayer is not just that you would experience his presence here at church in his house, but that you would take that presence because God is with us. We are now the temple of the presence of God. And so everywhere you go, that presence is available to you. You've been carried to the table and you can lay down your brokenness at the foot of the cross. Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence. We're desperate for it. We need it more than anything else. And God, I pray that today that we would leave this place filled afresh with your presence and that we would carry that presence in our homes and in our workplaces and in all of the the places and spaces you call us to go. And that God, we would remember each and every day when we look at the brokenness in our lives and the brokenness in our families and the brokenness in the world, that you are at work, that your redemptive power is at work. And God, help us to have a redemptive perspective, to see what you see when you look at us, when you look at the world. Give us your eyes of love. Wash us afresh with your love, we pray. We thank you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. What a beautiful, beautiful service today. I know that the Lord is at work in your heart and in your life. And if you're new here at Life Center, we just want to take a moment to say thank you for being with us and welcome. We're so happy that you're here. And we'd love to know if you're new by filling out a Connect card that's in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you're online, there's a digital Connect card that's coming up. Because we'd love the opportunity to connect with you and just pray for you if you have any prayer needs or just find out how we can walk alongside you. And if you'd like to continue in your worship today through giving, uh, all of the different giving options are going to come up on the screen behind me. And there's an envelope in the seat pocket in front of you that you can use if you want to give here in person today. I just have three quick announcements that I'm going to leave you with just before I dismiss you. Next Sunday, we have a freedom ministry session. It's in the afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. And we've done these a few times, and we've had such incredible testimonies of God setting people free in a supernatural way from things, areas of their life where they've had struggles. There's been physical healings. It's just been incredible. And people have been saying, when are you doing it again? When are you doing it again? Well, the next time is next Sunday, 2 to 4. There's no registration required. You can just show up. But let me encourage you that if there have been things in your life that you have been struggling to get free from, maybe not let another whole year go by struggling with that. Come to the Freedom Session. Pray the prayers of freedom and appropriate what Jesus has done for you. We are believing for supernatural freedom to come. If you're a high schooler or you have a high schooler in your home, we have our senior high retreat that's coming up in February, and we would love for our high schoolers to be a part of it. We haven't had the opportunity to do this in a couple of years, and so we're so excited to make this investment into our students. Yes, we've got a whole bunch of them up here that will be there. I know it. And so please go to lifecenter.org, sign up for the senior high retreat. 
And last but not least, we have Heart Conference that's coming up on March 3rd and 4th, and that's for all the ladies of the house. And this is going to be a time for us ladies to get together and come and be with Jesus with one another. Come and be in his presence. And ladies, we would love for you to be a part of that. Again, you can register for Heart Conference at lifecenter.org. It's $69, the registration. And our students, 18 and under, are free. We would love to have our students be a part of it as well. So again, go to lifecenter.org to sign up for that. If you want to come to the front for prayer, our prayer team will be up here to pray with you, and we would absolutely love to do that. And as we prepare for next Sunday and continue in the 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting series, can we encourage you to bring your Bible? Say, I'll bring my Bible. you got to say it out loud or you're going to forget. Say, I'll bring my Bible. We want you to bring a physical Bible as we dive and continue into this series. And so we encourage you to do so. Thank you so much for being with us today. God bless. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.